You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 125, Speaking Colombian Spanish. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. This week, joining me in conversation is Jani from Mi Legacy and the Latina Mom Legacy podcast to talk about her Colombian Spanish language and culture. In this episode, Jani talks to us about her upbringing between Florida and Medellin, Colombia. We talk about the pride that Colombians carry when speaking and representing their language all over their country. She tells us about ways that her family has been able to stay close to their Colombian roots through traditions and how in the area of Florida where she grew up, she was able to learn Spanish words and phrases of Caribbean origin. Jani talks to us about things she loves in Colombian culture, including the humor. We always love humor. And we even talk a bit about Colombian food. Now for the full portion of our food conversation, head on over to my Patreon to hear the full 20 minute segment about all kinds of dishes you can find in Colombia. Big thank you to Jani for having this conversation with me and for sharing bits of your language and culture with all of us. If you enjoy episodes of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, and like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. And if you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now pledge ongoing support for the show on buymeacoffee.com or on patreon.com. For just $5 a month, you'll have access to excerpts from this conversation that did not make it to the full published episode. And as you know, I wrote a book. My Food Zine of International Language and Cuisine Taste Buds Volume 1 is available now for purchase. Check social media for the sneak peek inside the book and make sure you purchase one for yourself and one for your friends. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Jani. How are you today, Jani? I am good. Thanks so much for having me on now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you about Colombian Spanish today and everywhere that we hear it. Not, well, maybe not everywhere, but places that we hear it and Colombian culture and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like to start each episode with the same question, and that is, what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? Well, my first native language is Spanish. That was the language that we spoke at home, and that's what my parents spoke to me. Um, but uh, now I am much more comfortable speaking English because uh, I'm in the U.S. and everything is uh, spoken in English. So now, when I go back to Spanish, you know, it's not that I struggle, but because I'm more exposed to English, it's just easier. I have basic knowledge of many different languages, uh, basic knowledge of French, Italian, uh, some Mandarin, because I used to travel a lot to to China. Oh, wow. And yeah, and now Bulgarian, because my daughter's learning Bulgarian. So to inspire her to continue to learn, I have started to learn some Bulgarian as well. Oh, that's interesting. How's that going? 
it's going, you know, what I think when they, my husband speaks Bulgarian, uh, he's Bulgarian. When they're speaking, I pick up some words. So I, I definitely understand more versus like, if you ask me a question in Bulgarian, I, I'm not going to know how to respond, which is similar to like Mandarin. Like I can tell the difference when somebody's speaking Mandarin versus Cantonese, uh, because I'll, I'll know the nuances. I'll kind of catch every other word that they're saying. But if you ask me like, can you speak Mandarin? I'll be like, no, <laughs> can understand some of it, but just basic business uh, language. So it's similar with, with Bulgarian yeah, okay. I catch every, every few words, but I wouldn't call myself fluent. Oh, but that's cool that you have, you know, especially I guess for your daughter to have, to have three languages, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really interesting. Yes. And my husband is learning German. So he's uh, like, takes German multiple times a week. So we love languages here. And that that would be probably the fourth language mm-hmm. uh, for my daughter to learn. And I, I don't know if I would be able to pick up German. But yeah, it's definitely a celebration of languages here in this home. I love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what was your what your language experience um, in school was like? But it was very interesting because I was born in Colombia, in Medellin, Colombia, but I was raised in Miami, in Florida. Mm. And at home, uh, my parents adopted the motto, en esta casa solo se habla español, which mm. translates, we only speak Spanish in this in this house. Okay. So growing up, it was all Spanish. But because we lived in a neighborhood that had a lot of kids, all the kids spoke English. So I was exposed 50-50. So while everything at home was in Spanish, all my friends and all the neighborhood kids spoke English. So it really just kind of blended seamlessly. So by the time that I started school and school was in English, I had no problem, you know, adapting, you know, with the schoolwork. Now, fast forward to when I was 12, my dad decided that we were going to move back to Colombia because he wanted me to get in touch with my Colombian roots and have a better uh, adaptation for the language. So when I started high school over there, uh, seventh grade, I should say, when I started seventh grade over there, uh, I had to switch everything to Spanish. And that was definitely a lot more difficult because I was used to conversational Spanish, Mm. not necessarily school curriculum, like specific, uh, you know, more formal Spanish. So that transition was definitely uh, harder. That's so interesting. I think when we think about language in that way, because we use a language every day and we feel comfortable in the language every day, but stepping into a different environment where different terms are used and there's a different structure, it can be disorienting. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I started taking physics and I was like, I've never heard of these terms, (laughs) like just like very uh, specialized words. And uh, I've spoken to uh, women who have uh, in their profession are well, they're bilingual, but within their profession, they don't necessarily know the terminology in Spanish because it's very specific and it's almost like they have to if they want to give like a Spanish seminar or Spanish class for that uh, industry or demographic they have to like study go study the terminology so they can be able to translate 100%. Mm-hmm. So something that you said that I'm really curious about you 
so you're you're growing up you're in south florida and then you go back to colombia and one thing that i find interesting about spanish spoken in the us is how it draws from so many different influences in so many mm -hmm. different countries so i'm imagining this and of course you set the record straight you tell me if i'm if i'm assuming incorrectly mm -hmm. but i would imagine that being around spanish speakers and english speakers too the way that you speak spanish is very is is specific right mm -hmm. so when you go back to colombia how did your spanish adapt or how did your did your spanish have to adapt did your spanish change at all um you know speaking with colombian with colombians in colombia second part of this question is being that you spoke spanish at home with your colombian family had their language retained some older properties than the way that Spanish was currently spoken in Colombia when you went back. So were there maybe phrases or terms or terminology that had <laughs> shifted or had changed meaning in those years that you were away from Colombia? Well, I think something that was very interesting is that when you grow up in Miami, you grow up with a very heavily influenced Cuban upbringing because I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but I can tell you at least 80% of people living in in Miami. I mean, now it's maybe different, but when I was growing up, it was maybe 70 to 80% of the people that were living there were Cuban. Mm. And in specifically in the city that I grew up in, which is Hialeah, I can tell you we were within the Latinos, we were the minority, oh. uh, meaning that probably 90% of the population there were Cuban. And it's also uh, the most Hispanic city, fun fact, the most Hispanic, quote, Hispanic city in the United States, where 96% of its inhabitants speak only Spanish. Hmm. So it really is like going to uh, a different country or a Spanish speaking country. So you adopt a lot of Cuban words into your everyday life because you're surrounded by this 24-7. So whether <laughs> you catch it or not, you kind of adopt these and you so at home we're we're speaking Colombian Spanish, but we're we're integrated with with Cubans 24-7 mm. around outside the home. So you start bringing that into the home. So the mix is a very interesting fusion and Like my Spanish is a total fusion of every word that, that I've lived. But what happens is, and I remember when we went back, that especially when it comes with the cooking, my mom and we adopted a lot of words from just like the, the Cuban cuisine. And, and so when we would go back to, when we went back to Colombia, our family is like, what are you talking about? Mm. Like, so like just simple things like, Oh, I'm going to make congri. Congri is a very it's Caribbean uh, black beans and rice. And in Colombia, first of all, the dish is not very popular. Uh, second of all, it's in Colombia would be arroz y frijoles, mm. and not right. like summed it up into one word. So when my mom would be like, "Oh, voy a hacer congri," family is like, "What? What? What are you making?" <laughs> so just things like that where you don't even think about it because it's just becomes part of your 
part of your everyday life. So that I think uh, was very interesting. I think for me, it was uh, kind of similar, just adapting, uh, kind of retraining your ear to to the the new words or the words that are used in Colombia versus like Miami for certain things. So like bus was like something that was different for me versus how you say bus in in Colombia. Mm-hmm. So because I grew up in Miami, bus Cubans say wawa. I viene la wawa. There's there's the bus is coming. So I had to learn wawa's bus. That was a kid. My my word for bus was wawa. So when I went to Colombia, it was like, no, I viene el bus. And I was like, oh, bus. Okay, bus. I get right. it. So right. just kind of that that uh, that dynamic was very interesting. Yeah. I will always and forever be fascinated by the changes in the Spanish language throughout mm-hmm. the diaspora. It's For me, it's just a never-ending joy to see how the language changes and how people relate to it through these changes and especially you know living in a place where there are many Spanish speakers just how you have to be kind of like multilingual within Mm -hmm. one language Mm -hmm. like I think it's so cool sure absolutely okay so you said that you were the quote unquote minority in you know where you were growing up so how were what or maybe I should say, what were some ways that you, your family were able to hold on to your Colombian heritage, your culture? What were some things that you, you did that were specifically Colombian um, amongst the diversity of, you know, the other um, ethnic groups in, in your area? Well, I think that with Latinos in general, the holidays are just like the the starting point for many traditions and and I think that for many of us that's where we really bring in the culture. So Christmas was definitely uh, huge for for us in terms of of keeping the the tradi- the Colombian traditions. So we do natilla buñuelos, which is a very traditional Christmas Eve thing that you do. It's like, that's just what you do. (laughs) So uh, that was certainly something that was, um, uh, that I grew up with. Uh, The other thing is that just like bread, like, you know, uh, Americans have bread, uh, maybe Italians have bread, uh, Mexicans have tortillas, we have arepas, and, and Venezuelans also have arepas, but our arepas are like bread. Like we eat arepas with just about every meal. And so you have it for breakfast, you have it as like a little side, you know, dish or, you know, just to accompany your lunch, you have it for dinner. It's just like bread. So in our home, arepas, like you could not have a meal without an arepa, like just breakfast was arepa. And so that was like a very Colombian thing. And even to this day, my daughter doesn't like arepas. I'm like, how can you not like arepas? Like this blasphemous. But I have to have my arepa every day. Like I have my arepas and, and I'm lucky I don't have to make them from scratch, but my mom would make them from scratch. And so that's something that, again, very cultural, very tied to uh, to our culture. Uh, I think a lot of it comes from the food. And because food is so closely tied to memories, to to feeling a part of a family, feeling a part of something bigger. And so definitely through food and especially within the Latino culture, uh, food is like the way to your heart. Like if you have a headache, 
did you eat? Yeah. <laughs> if you're cold, did you eat? If you're feeling right. sick. Sad. If you're feeling sad, did you, did you go eat, eat something? Yeah. <laughs> like everything revolves around food. So I think that because of that, it just like you bring the the culture with you through the yeah. food for sure. I love that. And just jumping the gun, I love Colombian food. We're going to talk a little bit about Colombian yes. food later. <laughs> um, definitely high on my list of faves. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now I'm already just equally scandalized that your daughter's not a fan of. I know. I know. <gasps> I know. Oh, okay. It's okay. Um, so I want to talk about the language a bit. And, you know, we've talked about Spanish on this podcast a number of times. And I, like I said, am amazed by the breadth of differences within the Spanish language. And I would like to know, and I think the reason why I break this down also by region is because regional differences exist. I, I'd love to know in Colombian Spanish, what are some things that do make it stand out in this Spanish multiverse? What are some, you know, is it an accent? Is it vocabulary? Is oh, it, it's so much. It's, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it's a lot, but maybe we can, maybe we can just pull apart some things that, you know, just, you know, what's the Colombian Spanish, uh, you know, crown. So let's, I will start by saying that Colombians are very proud of their Spanish because they consider it, quote, proper Spanish. <laughs> and this is uh, this is part of their their pride. So I'll, just for an example, to the point that in Bogota, Bogota is the capital of Colombia, you have the Caro and Cuervo Institute, which is basically a research institution that was founded in 1942. And it solely focuses on Spanish literature, linguistics, uh, philology, and the focus is to, the focus of this institution is to promote reading and pride within Colombia. Mm. So, so you have that, that's like, oh, so the standards in terms of Spanish are quite high, which is why when you go to Colombia, now it's gotten better many people don't speak English. I mean, now they're seeing obviously the benefits of speaking English, but because of that, that pride in the language, it's almost like, well, if you're coming to my country, if you're, especially in at least where I'm from, if you're coming to my city, you should know some Spanish because you're coming to my city where right. I speak Spanish. So, right. so that sort of sets the standard, I think, for, for many regions of the country. And then besides the Spanish, you have over 60 indigenous different languages. And you have uh, a couple languages that stem from uh, Afro-Creole uh, Afro languages. So you have all of this. And in addition to that, in Colombia, it's considered one of the countries that has the most accents within the Americas. I love that. So we, even within, I like even within a major city, even within the barrios, you'll have distinct things that different barrios, that different neighborhoods uh, will say that's only particular to that neighborhood. Mm. So th that, that just gives you an example of how many, like how regional it becomes. So you have all these different uh, dialects and you have all these different uh, accents 
And it, it really is like traveling through all these different countries within one one single country. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> That's amazing. I had no idea. And I, I feel like, particularly with Colombia, like I feel like I'm learning so much as I'm getting older because, you know, I feel like the, unfortunately, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And I feel like, unfortunately, like, the perception of Colombia outside has been like really rough, like, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pablo Escobar. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and I hate that. Like, I hate that I watch Narcos and I was like, Oh, this is, this is a good show. And I'm like, no, but people died. Like, I don't want to support that. So I stopped watching it. I feel like the perception um, it also doesn't fully encompass the diversity that mm -hmm. Colombia has and I feel like as I'm as I'm getting older I'm looking more you know I see things online I see I hear more musical artists and I mm -hmm. see more especially Afro-Colombian representation mm -hmm. and I'm like where was this information my whole life because mm -hmm. I I just even like indigenous represent like I just never saw it and I just think it's it's so beautifully diverse and I, I love seeing it. I want to see more of it. Sure. And, you know, I think it's, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I feel like I say this every episode, but this is for true. Like, I really want to go to Colombia and you should. I haven't, I haven't been yet. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? <laughs> you should, you should. No, I, and I will say you shouldn't feel bad about not being exposed because even within our own culture, even within you know, the big cities, like when I lived in Colombia, what you see in the media is, you know, different from reality. So, you know, there wasn't as much representation even within you know, the, the, the Colombian culture, like within the media. So if you think about las telenovelas, the soap operas, like where, where is the, the Afro Chocuana in la novela? Like, no, like where are, uh, where are the indigenous people? No. So again, it's, it's not just here, but it's like within our own community, what gets presented to us. And now I would say over the, definitely over the last 10 years, it's definitely changing, which is great and amazing, but there's still a lot of work to be done because still there is a lot of, within our own uh, culture, there is a lot of racism mm -hmm. and there is a lot of uh, separation and, I think it's still going to take a long time for us to kind of see each other as just human beings, no matter, you know, what you look like or, but it's, it's, it's going to be a while for sure. So, so don't feel bad about not being exposed because, Hey, if we weren't exposed and I was living there, <laughs> what's to be said about the rest of the world? Oh my goodness. It's true. It's, it's so true. I'm glad that we're, we are in or at moving toward, I should say, a place mm -hmm. of, you know, being comfortable showing diversity in, in so many different cultures. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to be a part of that with this show and, you it's know, wonderful. do what I can. But, um, you know, I think, I think that we're, hopefully we'll get there for the next generation so that they won't have these 
questions and they won't be sitting in the dark and, you know, things like that. Um, so you told me that you've lived in different parts of the U.S. or you've traveled mm-hmm. around different parts of the U.S. And um, tell us about, you know, being a Spanish speaker and moving about the U.S. and encountering the different ways that people speak Spanish, either natively or people who've learned Spanish or maybe how you observe um, how a particular city embraces its Spanish speaking population. It's for me, this is like such a, a fun conversation because I have had the experience and uh, the opportunity to live in different cities in the U.S., uh, many of which have a lot of Spanish speakers. Uh, I started with uh, Miami. So Miami has, again, that Cuban, very Cuban-based Spanish or Cuban-influenced Spanish. Uh, but also within Miami, you have a lot of Miami-isms. Mm. So which is funny that it's things that only you only say in Miami and when I've traveled to other cities and I say some of these things, they look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I realized that that is a Miamiism, mm-hmm. that it's only something that you say in Miami, that at, outside of the confines of Miami, you don't really say. So that. Like what? Like what would be an example of a Miamiism? So, for example, in in Miami, there you can say like, it's a term of endearment, uh, but you can say papo or mama or mamita or papito. Like when you're addressing like, like a friend or uh, it, it has nothing to do with calling them mom. Mm. It's just like, it's just a sweet way of calling somebody. So you say, eh, papo, ven, eh, vamos a la tienda. Eh, hey, bud, let's go to the store. Okay. That no, <laughs> nowhere, I'm telling you, I have not heard this term like papo or or mama outside of 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 Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is like, for example, they'll uh, say dale. Like you you hear like pitbull, dale. <laughs> but that's a very Miami ism. Really? OK, dale. Oh, uh, all right. Let's go or. It can mean so many things depending on the context of conversation. Besides the the Spanish, you also have like the local words that sort of get influenced by the Spanish culture. So I think that's very interesting. Now, when I went to school in Chicago, uh, Chicago has a big Puerto Rican and Mexican population. Okay. So my this was like my first time outside of Miami that I was exposed to Puerto Ricans. So when I lived in Chicago, that was like Puerto Rican Mecca. And so my best friend at the time really introduced me to Puerto Rican culture. And because we worked for many years together, she spoke her Puerto Rican Spanish and I adopted her Puerto Rican sayings. So so one that I still to this day use that even within my, they're like, Tiger, you're not Puerto Rican, is I bendito. So, so when you hear like it's like a you can use it for many different terms, but it, it's kind of like I feel sad for you, or oh, or like 
like if you want to sigh he's like ay bendito and that that's puerto rican mm-hmm. again and the other thing there was that was the first time that i was exposed to mexican culture cuz mm-hmm. i lived in in a neighborhood uh called uh ravenswood and two stops over was uh i believe kedzie was like the neighborhood i don't know if kedzie was the neighborhood but i know that was a train stop so you had a lot of like the the mexican little shops and and uh the little taquerias and that was just very interesting that was like the first time that i was exposed to anything other than caribbeans latinos mm. i had been exposed to dominicans and puerto ricans and cubans and 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 colombians and some venezuelans from miami but not really mexicans because we really didn't have a lot of mexicans in in miami okay. so that was very interesting that was like my first exposure to to mexican culture and i thought that was that was uh, very interesting within my travels i ended up in in new york and new york is more of in terms of latinos i would say new york is more uh dominican uh, uh more D- dominican puerto rican too but this is where you have like the new yorkian uh mm. <laughs> culture so even within here you have i adopted the dominican words so like my best friend still to this day is dominican and you know they she has like many words like que lo que like que lo que what's up and then through my travels uh within my business going to california and working in mexico i've learned a lot of mexican spanish mm. and i've adopted like one word that I love and I use a lot it's not colombian it's not something that we use is platicar platicar vamos a platicar let's go talk let's go have a chat oh. where in colombia we we'll say vamos a hablar vamos a conversar sí. like we don't we wouldn't say platicar yeah. but i love that word and if i'm talking to if i know who i'm speaking to is mexican i will say mande like if i ask a question if they ask me a question and i don't understand in Colombia, we would say, okay, mm, oh, you know, can you repeat that? Puedes repetir? Uh, Mexicans will say, mande, like, what? Can, mm. like, so it's like the equivalent of, so if I know if I'm speaking with with a Mexican, I'll, I'll say, mande, like, if I don't understand something. And, but it's not something that I would ever say in Colombia or ever say with my Puerto Rican or, or Dominican friends. So I you see. sort of adapt all these, like, different Spanish is from all these different regions. Oh my gosh. While you were talking about specifically Puerto Ricans in Chicago and Dominicans here in New York, it's interesting how me as a non-Spanish speaker, I've heard these. I think it's so wonderful that you've had the opportunity to see the expression of the Spanish language all over the United States. And um, I had a guest on the show who's, she's a friend of mine um, now, and she, she also grew up in Florida and she speaks Spanish. And one of the pillars that she stands on is saying that the United States is a Spanish speaking country. And mm-hmm. when I think people think of the U S they think of, Oh, they, you know, they speak English and they put 
you know, but this is a Spanish speaking country and there is Spanish iterated in all the different corners of the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes one of the things that makes, you know, this such an interesting place to live is um, having that. One thing I was going to say about, you know, living in New York, I can speak for, I've been to Chicago for a weekend. So I, you know, years ago, so I can't really comment on it. And believe it or not, I've never been to Miami. Um, Mm. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I have not yet had the pleasure of visiting South Florida. Um, but what I, what I can say about New York or, I, you know, and I've been to LA, but I wasn't really paying attention, but I can say about New York because I'm here in New York. This is, this is a part of me. What I love is seeing is what I love about about Spanish language here in our area is that we have this proximity to Spanish. We have it in the newspapers, you know, Spanish language newspapers and Spanish language television, obviously Mm -hmm. it's all over the country, but I can get on the train and there are advertisements in Spanish. I can see Spanish on menus. I can see, I can see it. And I think that if you're a person who has you know is is not latino uh latine if you're somebody who is maybe does not speak this you know spanish language or you don't know any spanish speakers you can literally reach out and touch it because it's Mm -hmm. everywhere and i think that i think that new york city does a good job of being bilingual in that way and especially Mm -hmm. towards our latine community i feel like my subway advertisement spanish is a hundred percent i feel like i'm i can, get it like, i'm getting it and i i'm like so proud of myself and every now and then i have to text a friend like what does this mean but um you know i think the accessibility of it you know there are forms that we get that are you know in english and in spanish you know in the same way and maybe it's the same in, in other parts of the country but as i said i'm in new york and that's what mm-hmm. i can speak to and i just think it's great that we can you know reach out and and it's it's there it's accessible it's it's waiting for us now about culture in colombia colombian culture um i should have said this i should have started saying this but i wanted to save it for you know talking about the culture but so my very best friend is colombian her family is colombian and mm-hmm. we were uh roommates in college And we, you know, so I spent four years listening (laughs) to her speak on the phone in Spanish with her family every day, every day, Mm -hmm. every day, every day. So that's why I I have a false sense of security that my my comprehension is really high. And it's, you know, I cannot put a sentence together, but I might be able to kind of understand. But, you know, what you said about Colombians and thinking uh that their their accent is the proper accent mm-hmm. or or you know being understood and it's funny because like when she speaks spanish or her family speaks spanish i feel like i understand so much i tell myself that i understand so much may um, i ask you um what part of colombia is she from do you know um her family is from bogota could we go back i want to tell you why you understand her okay 
And this, this goes, this goes to the different accents in the regions. So in Bogota, you have, they're called rolos. And they're considered to be, to have the most neutral accent Mm -hmm. of Colombia. And their Spanish is very formal. So for example, it's very proper. So they'll use the word usted, like the formal you in their conversation. Hmm. And their accent is very neutral. So for me, I'm a paisa. I'm from Medellin. Very different. Uh, Our accent is probably the most recognizable. So if you think of J Balvin, Maluma, Carol G, they're all from Medellin. They all have a similar uh, Spanish accent, Colombian accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very different because our where Rolos uh, from Bogota, from, from the capital, where their Spanish tends to be just very linear, very neutral mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of when they're speaking. Okay, very precise, very proper. Our Spanish is like a wave. It's like up and down, uh, oh. elongated, and, and it's like like a little song. So we'll <laughs> we'll say we'll use vos instead of usted. Oh. So we'll say y vos cómo estás. Whereas uh, in the capital, say usted cómo está. <gasps> so different. Um, the other thing is like. We add an accent at the end. <laughs> so if you're asking somebody, like the proper way would be, ¿Qué quieres escuchar? What do you want to listen to? Mm-hmm. We'll say, ¿Qué quieres escuchar? Oh. ¿Qué quieres? So, ¿Qué quieres escuchar versus ¿Qué quieres? Pues, ¿Qué quieres escuchar? And you, like, my, my, my accent, like, ¿Y vos qué quieres escuchar? Like, you hear that it's like up and down. Yeah. Where, her accent is probably more neutral and you have all these different accents throughout the country and they're very different. So if you go to like the Costa, the Caribbean side, it's more like a Cuban Dominican Spanish. Interesting. So if you think of like Shakira's from Barranquilla, Mm -hmm. Sofia Vergara is from Barranquilla. If you hear them speaking Spanish, it's very different from how Omaluma or Carol G would would sound, and you know, Google them. Google them speaking okay. Spanish to, to do see. A deep dive, yes. Oh so you gosh. have all of these, and then when you get to like what you have the 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 region, what's called uh, Pasto, which is closer to Ecuador, then you have more of those uh, indigenous roots mm. that have like basis in Quechua language. Yes. So they sound very different. And if you go northeast, where you're closer to Venezuela, they speak very fast, like they're upset. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I for her, that. yeah. So for the fact that you understood her clearly is because her accent is the most neutral and they enunciate all their words. Mm. Their accent and tone is very linear, uh, very different from the rest of the country. I, I'm going to have to call her later and just observe this now that you're explaining sure. it. And I'm, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to 
do the celebrity deep dive. And And I will tell you, um, in the Capitol, they're super duper proud of the fact that they are neutral. Yeah, that their accent is like because they, they're like representing the country. <laughs> it's very fun. How interesting. I, you know, I was saying all that to say my exposure to Colombian culture. Um, I feel very lucky, you know, to have to be so close to my friend and her family mm-hmm. and to that she's, you know, exposed her heritage with me and you know she's Mm. always willing to teach me and show me and Mm -hmm. you know we've we've cooked together we've Mm -hmm. gone to colombian restaurants Mm -hmm. i've gone to festivals with them um waiting for the day when we can get on a plane and go actually to colombia but um you know the music you know she and her brother have shared with me and it's you know i'm i'm so grateful to them for that um i would love to know from you, what are things some what are some things about uh Colombian culture, culture in Colombia that you love? Like things that instill pride, things that you gravitate toward? Well, let me start by saying so my dad, I my dad passed away in 2020. And he passed, thank you, thank you. He passed away from COVID and he wanted to be late to us in Colombia. Mm. And when we laid him to rest uh, six months later in 2021, that was the first time that I had been back to Colombia in over 12 years. And I realized not being around uh, the Colombian people, my people, (laughs) my heritage, how fun they are Mm. and how friendly they are and how funny they are and how, Immediately, as soon as I got in the taxi, I was like trying to keep up with the Spanish because every other word was a saying. Like we have a lot of sayings about oh, everything. I love and, that. <laughs> and I, I was like, and my daughter was, was that was uh, no, not, not the when we laid my dad to rest. She, my daughter hadn't gone, but the second time this past year, I took my daughter for her to experience, and it was very interesting because. She immediately, so there's a saying that they say, like, I haven't heard this saying in such a long time. And it means there's a lot of traffic, not has nothing to do with taco. The the taco is just spelled the same way, pronounced the same way, but it means there's a lot of traffic. Oh, wow. And I said, I said to my daughter, I said, oh my God, I haven't heard this saying in forever. And she said, I said, taco. And you know what she said? She said to me, she said, yeah, mom, it makes sense. Hay mucho tráfico. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, oh my God, you're right. You're so right. (laughs) And I was like, you know, sometimes kids are way smarter than we give them credit, right? (laughs) I was like, you're so right. But I realized that in everyday life, they use sayings for everything and everything is like a joke. And at least in Medellin, that's where, where, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's like, it's, it's very lighthearted. It's fun. Uh, it's a fun way to have a conversation with somebody, but also that culturally they love to take care of their family and society in general. They, they take care of the elderly. Like that was something that was very, 
striking to me when we went because I was with my mom. We were waiting in line uh, at a bank. Still, they were they were doing the face mask covering. And immediately, uh, one of the ladies from the bank stepped outside. Mind you, the line was probably 30 people long. And they pulled my mom to the side and they said, Señora, por favor, siéntese adentro. You know, please come inside so you can sit. You know, your daughter can wait in line for you. But and it's that that regard and respect for for the elderly, for family, for children that I think sometimes gets missed like here where, you know, we don't have we're so busy in our day to day that those values, I realize they're significant, like they're significant. Like when you grow up surrounded by that, you you realize how polite people are, mm. how everything is gracias, por favor, si señora, you know, like, like that is very, those values I thought were, were, were very cool. And I think that made me very proud to be Colombian because those are definitely some values that, that I want my daughter to, to have. Absolutely. We need more of that here. I mm -hmm. always say, like, I, I've said this before on the show, like, we can tell a lot about a community, a society based on how their elders are treated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, I, I think that's very true. And, and there's so much wisdom and so much value that our elder citizens have. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have to appreciate that and we have to value them and not just cast them aside so please tell us about your podcast tell us about latina mom legacy and mi legacy and um what led you to starting these ventures and let us know where we can find you and where we can follow your work uh, awesome. So thank you so much for having me on here and Absolutely. for being able to share about my culture and language, something that I, I love sharing with the world. And part of the reason why I started Mi Legacy and, you know, back in 2017, it started as a subscription box for parents to teach their children uh, Espanol. Uh, with a, always a gift for mom, because they've always had a soft spot for mom. Over the years, the business has evolved and changed. I no longer do the boxes, but I realized in speaking with the moms that what I love most is connecting with them and sharing their stories and learning about their culture and uh, language and how we're instilling uh, and raising bilingual children. So now uh, on the podcast, The Latina Mom Legacy, I interview Latina moms, and now it's expanding to moms all over the world that share their stories raising bilingual children, and we offer tips and empowerment, and on Mi Legacy, it's a platform for, for parents that want to raise uh, bilingual Spanish-speaking children. I offer a course to how to guide you to raise a bilingual child uh, your way. I like to call it your way because every family is different. And uh, I encourage that to to find and tune into your own voice and to your own child and find a way that works for you. And uh, and we I have blogs where you can read about bilingualism and books. And I love books. I love reading. So I offer a lot of uh, book recommendations and uh, yeah, anything that you want to do to raise a bilingual Spanish child, you can find there. Love that. Give us the links. 
Yes. So you can, uh, the the easiest way is to go to milegasi.com and that's spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I.com. You'll have, you'll find links to the podcast. You'll find links to the books, to the blogs, to the courses, to workshops. You can sign up for the newsletter. Um, that's the easiest. And you can find me on all social media at milegasi, spelled the same way. Perfect. I will add those links into the show notes for Thank this you. episode so that people who are listening can click and find you right away. Yes, yes. And let's connect. I said earlier that we were going to talk about food. So mm, now, my is favorite. The time. <laughs> now is the time. I'm going to tell you, um, you know, like I said, well, we talked about arepas. I love arepas. Um, I like them with cheese. And I love, you know, what's funny? empanadas i'm gonna mm-hmm. get slaughtered for this but no empanadas are different across all different latin american countries so i don't really like empanadas but which empanadas <laughs> but i i think colombian empanadas are my favorite of course they're they're made out of corn and they're deep fried what's not to love yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I always say to myself, like, uh, you know, it's it's to be fair to empanada, the empanada community. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not that I don't like them. It's that my expectations are high because it's <laughs> it's a pocket full of meat or cheese and it's supposed to be delicious. So I would say 90 percent of the time when I have them, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. And then I'm like, oh, it was just okay. But Colombian empanadas have not been disappointed yet. So. And they're different. I I will say why. Why you probably like them. Because I've had, I love me an empanada too. But (laughs) most of the empanadas, uh, like... Dominican empanadas, Puerto Rican, Puerto Ricans call them pasteles. They're, They're more like pasteles, a little different. But the difference is in the dough. So... They use flour-based mm. dough. Our base is more like a masa, corn-based masa. Okay. So that's a big, so the best way to compare it is if you have a, almost like a taco that you put into a pocket and you fill it with meat and potatoes and spices and you put it into empanada shape and then you deep fry it so that it's super crispy. Mm. That's a Colombian empanada, whereas the other empanadas are baked usually uh, with and they're flour based. So there is definitely I mean, fried stuff gives it that extra. (laughs) That's what it is. That must be what it is. Um, uh, My favorite filling is guava and cheese. What is your favorite empanada filling? So guava and cheese, that is a Cuban empanada. (gasps) The guava one that I yes. had over the summer from the Colombian place was guava and cheese. But you know what? I think too, because this or is it was New a York pa- or, City. or or it was um, a pastel. Like Cubans do the the guava and cheese pastel, which is a turnover, mm-hmm. different from an empanada. So turnovers, uh, which we have, we don't typically do guava and cheese. For, mm-hmm. for pasteles, we do just guayaba, just guava. So guava and cheese for me is definitely more Cuban. A Cuban guava and cheese pastel, uh-huh. oh, heaven, <laughs> heaven. <laughs> so I've, I've been misled. 
I was misled last summer. Um, mm-hmm. I went to I went to a food market and it was the Colombian stall and they had all these empanadas. And as soon as I saw guava and cheese, I pounced. But I want you to know also that you've just ended a 20 year argument between my friend and I <laughs> because I swore up and down left and right that um empanadas have guava and cheese in them in <laughs> Colombia and my friend is like you are a liar this is not true I don't know who's been telling you this so um I think I owe someone a huge apology thank you Jenny <laughs> um but what is your favorite filling what do you enjoy in an empanada I just like the traditional uh, empanada de carne which mm-hmm. is the meat and potatoes and, uh, you know, the, and the basic empanada, honestly, the basic empanada is meat, potatoes, and spices. That is the basic Colombian empanada. Uh, now, because even we have like the chicken empanada, we don't call chicken empanada. That's a pastel de pollo. Oh. So we have the same, it's shaped differently though. It's shaped like a little patty cake. So like a, it looks like a, like a mini hamburger. Same dough, though, mm-hmm. but the filling is chicken with potatoes and spices. But we call that uh, we call that uh, pastel, pastel de pollo. So you have your empanada de carne and your pastel de pollo. So very simple. Like mm. now, because, again, we've come here to the States. We have all these influences from all these all these cultures that we have like Colombian fusion, Latin fusion, where you bring in the guava, you bring in all the (laughs) other stuff, but traditionally it's very simple. Una empanada de carne y un pastel de pollo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys don't put raisins in them, do you? At least not where I'm from. We don't put raisins. Okay. Mm -mm. Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. Um, No, that's part of like a, you know, when I've had, um, the Jamaican don't, isn't like the Jamaican patties. Don't they put uh, uh, raisins no. in it? No, 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 no. Chileans put raisins in their empanadas. Oh, maybe. And I always pick them out because raisins <laughs> don't belong in food. Respectfully, Chileans. Uh, this is not, <laughs> I'm not, not in a mean way, but they're just not for me. Jenny, this conversation has been so much fun. Yes. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and learning about your languages and your culture. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing it with me and with my listeners. Um, Ready to go to Colombia and eat. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And eat and, you know, check it out. Um, I'd like to end each episode on the same question. just to have a little bit of fun and, you know, an opportunity for me to learn too. And my listeners, Um, do you have any jokes, popular sayings, tongue twisters, cool slang words, idioms, words of wisdom, or words of advice in Colombian Spanish to share and to teach us? Pues lo que te diga es mentira. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a saying that, it's it literally translates the literal translation is what I'm telling you is going to be a lie. And what that means when somebody asks you a question and you perhaps don't know uh, where you're pulling information from, or you don't know how to answer that you say, pues lo que te diga es mentira. you know, wh- what I 
what I'm going to tell you is a lie. So it's like it's it's truthful, but it's it's fun. It's it's one of many. That's and if you're Colombian, they're probably going to be like, she pulled that one like out of all <laughs> like we have a billion of sayings and she did that one. <laughs> no, but that that's useful. That's a useful one. Can you teach it to me? Lo que te diga. Lo que te diga. Es mentira. Es mentira. Lo que te diga es mentira. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lo que te diga es mentira. Yeah. Ooh, I will work on speeding it up so I can sound <laughs> like you. <laughs> but we have so many. Like I said, so many. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And they're all fun. They're yeah. all fun. And you're like, huh? <laughs> So much fun. Well, Jenny, this has been, as I said, this has been really a wonderful conversation and I've really enjoyed talking with you. And thank you so much. Before I let you go really quickly, um, if you're in Colombia, if you're in Medellin and you've been talking with someone for quite some time and having a good conversation and, you know, getting to know one another um, and you have to go your separate ways, what is the best way to say goodbye? Oh, that's it, it depends on who you're speaking with, because if um, if it's somebody that, you know, there's like a typical like Medellin, like parce is very Medellin, parce, parcero. It's like chummy, chummy. Chao, nos vemos parce, chao, parce. Eh, but if you're just visiting, you say chao, chao, que esté muy bien, hasta luego. Um, like we use chao a lot, I think. Chao. Okay. Chao. I like that. Ciao. It's simple. It's easy. Mm -hmm. Sophisticated. Ciao. Jenny. Mm -hmm. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. And I'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Um, bye, y'all. Thank you so much for having me on. Ciao. New episodes of Speaking Tongues are available every Monday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube channel and to like and share episodes with other language lovers like ourselves. Thank you. Aviento.